and welcome to the 23rd episode of The First Exchange with me, your host, Lydia Daydal. Um, first off the bat, thank you very much for all the wonderful messages that I received on last week's episode with uh, Father McFerry, Peter McFerry. Um, was really delighted that so many of you found his interview that impactful. Um, obviously, the homeless crisis in Ireland is uh, such a major topic of conversation. And I think uh, everyone is kind of feeling, um, you know, that sense of what can we do and how can we help? So it was really great to read everyone's comments um, on the episode. So thank you very much for that. Today's episode is a wonderful episode. I have a good friend, Yin Yoga Jen, was in the studio with me today. Um, I I met Jen. Some would argue that we were brought together, her energies brought together. Um, but I met her this year and I attended her classes. Uh, yin yoga is something that um, I felt was missing from my life for a very long time. Um, and if you've never tried a yin yoga class, I recommend you trying it out. But Jen was in with me today just to talk about how she found herself uh, teaching yin yoga, her journey starting out with maybe a difficult upbringing past and how she broke through that and got onto a journey of self-discovery and um, now is in a position to be able to give back everything that she's learned with her work. She's working in mental health and homelessness and she just came to talk about her journey and it was really inspirational and it's a fantastic story for anyone that has ever felt like they wanted to give up or that they didn't feel that they belonged um, or that they wanted to take a chance in themselves and do something positive and something different for themselves. So without further ado, I will let you all listen to the 23rd episode of The First Exchange with the wonderful Yin Yoga Jen. Yin Yoga Jen. What's up? Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Look who I'm here with. Who I'm here with. Welcome to The First Exchange Collaborative Studios. I'm Thank delighted to get you in. We're 22 episodes and 22 episodes. It is 22, is it? Oh, it's 23. Unreal. We're 23. Wow. Um, and Congratulations. Thank you very much. And I've wanted to get you on since I started the podcast. Oh, and I say that, much. I actually say that every <laughs> single time to, to everyone everybody. here. And I do, <laughs> but I genuinely mean it. But I did want to get Jenny in. You told everybody. I'm glad you're here, but I want Jen to be here. <laughs> That's exactly it. But we we had um, we had, I suppose you would say, like a coming of energies. <laughs> like yeah, we um, this time last year we didn't know each other. This time a few weeks ago. No, it was no, longer on, than a few on. weeks. Come on now. Yeah, let's, let's, they won't believe us if we say that. <laughs> but we had met each other. We were on. Um, well, I met you. You can't remember meeting me up on the mountains in the Wicklow Mountains. We went for that walk. We went to the Guinness oh, Lakes. We were freezing there, <laughs> bollocks off. But we went on a walk and I, this massive energy came running over to, I think it was Ray, you were saying hello to our mutual friend, Ray Douglas. And um, I was like, God, she's like a ball of energy. And we went on the walk and that was it. And then it was just through like friends and different like situations, like events and stuff that we kept meeting each other. It was Anto for me. Anto Donegan. Oh, you have to meet this girl. You have to meet Lydia. We haven't heard about my friend Lydia. And when he meets somebody that he believes in, he'll tell everybody. Yeah. And <laughs> so then I then I was found your page and, and I, I remember you posted something and I just thought, I love watching girls go out into the world and earn that place. Yeah. And work hard. And I was like, yeah, she's right up my street. I like that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because girls get, it's it's not easy to go out and and, and 
and find your way. No, it's not. It's not. It's definitely not. And I'm a girl's girl. Yeah, you are. And so yeah. am I. Yeah. So am I. And I think, we, I, you know, we started following each other on Instagram and like, you know, the stuff you were putting up. I was naturally interested because the yin yoga I started doing. I was doing yoga for a couple of years, but the yin was something that I found this year and I found it very, very different and mm. very uh, what I needed at yeah. that time. So when I saw you putting up all the stuff and, you know, your daily quotes and different stuff, I was like, yeah, she's... Do you know what it is, right? I'm so spiritual and I'm so connected to myself, my own energy, the energy of other people. I'm big on the universe. I talk about it all the time on the podcast. But also, I'm very much a realist. I live yes. in the real world. Yeah. I'm not an idiot. Well, or like, you know, I'm sorry, I don't mean to insult any people who are like I call it the airy fairy. The airy so, fairy, which yeah. I believe is a is a is a version is a a, a, a version of toxic spirituality and it's a it mm. can be quite ignorant in its way that People can. Um, it's almost like a mask to hide behind. Exactly. It's a defense. I'm so yeah. spiritual, and we're so when we when when did we actually? It was Anto's um, influenced event. That was it. Was I, it? Yeah, I was I was speaking at it, and you yeah. you came down, and we got chatting, and then me chime in. I was like, I'm finally going to meet people who I've been talking to all year. Exactly, yeah. and we've been yeah. buzzing online and we've been, you know, sending messages and we, we kind of were exchanging messages online, um, you know, about our thought process and, you know, responding to stuff we were posting. And then it was our chance that we actually finally got to meet and we hit it off and we had a couple of drinks afterwards and we went for a bit of a dance <laughs> and that was it, wasn't it? That and was we just it. completely connected. We knew we were on the same level. I saw, like, how hard you work, how passionate you were about your work. You saw the same thing in me. And we just had the most the amazing stars aligned. Stars aligned, and here we are. <laughs> um, and uh, we are going to talk about Jen and what she does. <laughs> We're not just going to talk about how we met. But yeah. um, uh, and I always believe that uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yes. And I always yes. believe that. I don't believe in having relationships with labels on them like you're my partner you're my boyfriend you're my this you're my that I just believe we're all teachers and when somebody comes into me life whether it's a negative or a positive energy I try and look at that as well what's this person trying to teach me mm. you know yes I think that we're here to learn our karmic our karmic cosmic cosmic laws and it's to rewrite the wrongs and mm -hmm. people will bring something into your life yes and I knew that you were coming into into me for for some reason, and I knew it was going to be good. I knew we were going to have a ball, and we did. Yeah, we did. We did. We did. We did. We did. We. I was uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was covering a show with Fight Connect TV in Belfast, and Jem was like, "Hey, you getting up?" And I was like, "Ah, I usually just like you know ring around and ask who's driving and blah blah." Jem was like, oh, "I'm off. I'll drive you up." And well, did we have a ball? Or did we have a ball? <laughs> Jen was like, you know, I was every time I was bringing the lads in for interview, like Jen was yapping away, and you should be doing yin yoga, you should be doing this, and they just all absolutely loved. Her. I thought I was on my holidays. Though. Yeah, you were like, I was like, I'm so sorry, it's so long. We're, we're there for like twelve fucking hours. You don't a get ball. a break. She was floating around like an absolute pleasure to be around. But anyway, it led us to I was like, right, get in on this podcast now before the end of the year, and we have a chat with you. So for our viewers, or for, God, our viewers, our listeners that are listening in that are like, who is Yin Yoga Jen? 
I get yeah. that because nobody ever meets me and then when they do they're like are you the yoga girl that's <laughs> yeah. all I ever get are you the yeah, you're a celebrity <laughs> is you that know? you is that you exactly so like, come he, to the class come to the class and figure out the yin yoga yeah. and I was lucky enough to do a couple of yin yoga classes with you and they are how would you describe your classes oh well for you it was quite emotional yeah it was yeah. boring I like that I like when people cry because it makes me heart open and I just think yes they mm. have had that little experience that I have that I had with the yin yeah and it's pretty life-changing mm. because I think once your heart opens to that capacity there's no going back. No. There's no going back. And it's like that little step out of darkness. Mm. And your classes are very specific in terms of you're obviously doing the yin yoga techniques and postures, but also you have, you know, at the start of the class, and at the end of the class, you're, you know, you're talking in, I mean, you explain it. How, how would you explain what it is that you're doing? You're, you're making you, you to be more mindful. You're reflecting, you're um, encouraging awareness and different things. I suppose we should start from probably the start. Go from the start. So, Take the floor. <laughs> you know, I went on a yoga teacher training, never having done a yoga class. <laughs> I did hear this. You oh. did mention this. <laughs> so... For years, I would have had uh, chronic pain. I have scoliosis and years of uh, pain and trying to find solutions and not wanting to be on medication mm -hmm. and not wanting to be dependent on stuff. And for two years, this yoga kept coming to me and, and my friend kept saying, she's I'm sick of playing you talking about this yoga thing. Mm -hmm. She's like, you just fucking go to the class or go and do it. So I, I kept Googling yoga teacher training because I'm very particular that I'm going to do something I need to know the ins and outs of it mm. I'm not going to just jump in like I, I, I do want to study everything and I need to know the lingo and, and all this stuff and I googled it probably for about a year and all the training was always next year next year and then one night I googled it and all of a sudden there's uh, yoga training starting in two weeks yoga teacher training and I was like that's a sign mm. are you all talk or are you walk because I talk to myself like that you know <laughs> you're going to walk the walk or are you going to just keep playing talking about it so signed up, went in and uh, everybody was in the class and they're doing these headstands and they're talking all these words and oh, I hadn't got a clue. And, you know, I'll give you a little bit of my background. Coming from a very disadvantaged area and being a single mother and not having a lot of money and struggling every week to pay our rent and, and all that stuff. And all of a sudden I'm on this yoga teacher training with women who are oh, my husband has the kids for the weekend while mm. I'm here and they're in their fancy cars and I probably haven't even got a bleeding real NCT disc in the window, you know, <laughs> one of them. And I just felt so uh, below everybody. Mm. Uh, my self-esteem was on the floor walking into that class and I just thought, oh God, you know, what am I after putting myself into? Because I do that, I get these bleeding great ideas. And then I sign up and then the fear kicks in. Yeah. And I knew, I knew my mind is trying to rob this experience. And usually having had a little bit of practice around this stuff that when my mind attacks me so bad and tells me that I'm no good and you shouldn't be here and they're all going to laugh at you. That's when I need to fight. Yeah. And that's when the fight kicks in and I have this kind of resilience. I'll show them. Mm. I'm going to be the best fucking teacher on this course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell them that. <laughs> but uh, 
started the course anyways and it actually turned out really well because I had no bad habits. So yeah. I picked it up really quick and uh, a few months into the course, I was like, oh, this is not for me. Like what you were saying at the start, you know, um, this airy fairy spiritual ego stuff. Mm. Uh, it's not for me. Uh, I'm quite real and, and I wear my heart on my sleeve and if I'm in pain, you'll know it. Mm. If I'm happy, I'll show it. And I'm very... Coming from working in the services, you know, you have to learn to be compassionate and, and non-judgmental and I'm just me. Mm. There's no ways and graces with me. Some days I have a few quid in my pocket and some days I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> some days the fridge is full and some days it's not. Yeah. And that's just the way I am. And uh, But about six months into the yoga training, I I, I went down to do a, a yoga class in, in the yoga hub because you have to practice and all and... I was like, come on, you better be and step it up, you know, they're all being better than you. Mm-hmm. Never heard of you, and like yourself, never heard of it. Never heard of that there was all different types of yoga. I was completely naive and I went in and the in was next on the timetable. So jumped in and within five minutes of the class, uh, I knew, I knew that this, this was where I was meant to be. This is where God was at the point of me. I started crying in the class. I felt a massive explosion in my heart. I'll never forget it. And it was the first time I'm getting a bit emotional now thinking of it because having come from that, I would have suffered with chronic loneliness all my mm. life since I was a baby, you know. And it's just it's just the way I was. And uh, I think when you go around with that kind of dark hole in your soul for such a long time, you never think it's going to go. Mm-hmm. You kind of find ways to just get on with it. You know what I mean? That, that I used to sit, I remember sitting on, on the end of the bed when Mia was only a baby and I couldn't, I couldn't feel anything for her. And, and that was the hardest part of being a mother is I couldn't feel any, any kind of emotion towards my child and afraid to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Don't tell the doctors or don't tell the, because they'll take her off you, you know, and uh, very afraid and all that, all that stuff that, that I struggled with as a young single mother and uh, but when I walked into that yin class and whatever happened to me, all that went, all that went. And for the first time, my heart exploded with love and with joy. And I didn't know what was happening to me. I was like, fuck, what's this? This is good. And uh, I just had this realisation lying on the floor of who else doesn't know about this? Mm-hmm. Who else doesn't know? And I thought, that's your purpose, Jen. Your purpose now is to tell everybody. Mm. Your purpose is to go back to them girls like yourself and grab them by the bleeding head and drag them into your class and just tell them it's going to be okay. Amazing. And that's uh, it's kind of been my little journey for the last year or two. I don't think there's anyone in Dublin that now that hasn't heard of yin yoga. <laughs> Not yin yoga, Jen, anyway. Never mind yin yoga. I You're ho- bleeding I ho- everywhere. I, ho- I hope so. Well, listen, the, the, the whole, um, like that, that story in itself is massively impactful for anyone that is listening, anyone that has had ever had an idea of, um, I suppose a calling to something and they've been reserved or scared or I can't, it's not for me. I'm not, I don't fit the mold of what that's meant to be. That in itself is a very inspirational story in that you felt like you weren't worthy enough. You felt where you you weren't enough for that particular um, 
situation or the class or whatever it might be you were brave you, you faced the adversity and you overcame it and then you you found what you're saying is you're, you found your purpose or you found your calling in which you were able to not only heal yourself but potentially heal other people by doing your classes but there's and I, I you can say and you can talk about as much as you want to in this but it's even more impressive giving the background that you came from and the lifestyle that you came from because mm-hmm. what we find and I, you know I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about it now but what we find with anyone that is able to escape circumstance environment change their DNA change the the course of their um heart coherence will we mm-hmm. put in um is massively massively important and it's very much full circle because not only are you doing the yin yoga but you've also used the tools that you've learned along the way in your journey in your own personal experience to now give back in the class but also Mm. you're working in an in an environment which is the mental health services and different things so you're everything that you've learned this this journey that you've been on of self-discovery and overcoming um, is now being used by you to give back to people in many, many different ways, including myself, because you do help me quite a bit on like a lot of stuff at work. And, you know, if I'm having a down day, you're very much someone that I'm able to speak to, know that I can rely on. It's a safe space and that you're always at the end of the phone. So thank you. <laughs> um, talk to me about uh, growing up as Jen. Oh, okay. Uh, so I grew up in, started off in the flats, up, up the road, up the flats, yep, the flats. <laughs> up the flats. Um, but I moved out to Blanchestown when I was about four or five. Mm-hmm. And I think that would have had a big, massive impact on me in the separation that mm-hmm. I was taken out to the middle of nowhere and all my family was in here. So I always had that thing of not fitting in. Yeah something wrong I always had that wonky inner child thing that I don't fit in here I don't know where where I'm supposed to be going what I'm doing and I grew up in 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 a very turbulent home and that me and my mom wouldn't have had the greatest relationship and I'm always reluctant to talk about this because I feel a massive sense of guilt mm-hmm. talking about somebody who has done so much for me and giving you and life. I feel like I'm betraying yes. almost by saying stuff mm-hmm. like I'm here tonight doing your podcast and sh- my daughter's at home with her nanny yeah so it's very it's it's it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a very difficult subject for me to talk about but it will happen mm-hmm. and uh, not having that emotional connection and that love and belonging that you needed or you, you we we try for as humans mm. is is connection. Yeah. So when you don't have it, <clears throat> you tend to go and seek it in other places. And I would have exp- ooh that in itself. Repeat yeah. that line right there. When you don't have that love and belonging and that connection that we crave for as humans, you will go and seek it out. Wow. You will seek it in in places that young girls and whatever shouldn't have to go yeah and that's what happened to me i found the streets uh grew up in in, a, in an estate that was just mental like as a girl 
jumping out windows, uh, <laughs> robbing building sites, robbing donkeys on the farmers and just getting <laughs> shot by the farmers. And like if you like people say, you look like poor wooden milk. Yeah, you do. Like hanging out, rob cars. <laughs> and me and my friend Donnie used to bleed. And, Rob motorbikes and she be don't implicate whatever about yourself don't implicate we found anyone them. else we found them we found them we found them in the bush <laughs> and uh, we used to make them up and take this part off that bike and stick it on that one and just crazy 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 <laughs> but in all that there's a darkness as well yes there's a darkness that comes to, to that lifestyle and slowly but surely you start to care less about yourself and you put yourself into situations that maybe young girls shouldn't be put into or shouldn't experience. And where it led me was into a, a, to be open to, exposed to a lot of gangland, a lot of crime, a lot of criminality. But it also exposed me personally to a lot of violence. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of my damage was done. Mm. Would have been in them violent relationships and because I didn't have the tools or the belief in myself, I suppose, to say to somebody like, that's not good enough. Mm. I'm going to walk away now. You shouldn't treat me like that. I didn't know how to say that. So having been rejected and abandoned, abandoned and, and, and struggling with all that stuff, when somebody was violent towards me or, or abusive or disrespectful, I almost came... Yeah, I suppose I came to a place where it was like, do whatever you want to me, but just don't leave me. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I was willing to take the shit, mm. but don't leave me. Because mm. if I have somebody, I have something. Yeah. You know? And if I'm back on my own, mm. see... And the it. feeling is nothing can ever be worse than the feeling of being left. No. Because it just goes back to your childhood. It goes back to the trauma. It goes back to the painful spot. Because you can you can take the physical pain. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You'll yeah. take the physical pain all day. Yeah. But give me the emotional pain. Mm. Uh, the chronic loneliness, the heartache. Uh, no. was I wasn't able for it. Mm. So I would have stayed in them environments for a few more years and it was only when when the doctor said to me uh, you're pregnant mm. you're going to have a baby that it was the first it was my first experience with feeling love and joy I didn't know what that feeling was never had it couldn't all the drinking drugs in the world that make you that are good and whatever but this was a different feeling mm. and from that day forward to today has been the climb has been the fight and Absolutely. has been the turning point. How old were you when you got pregnant with Mia? She's nearly 11, so 25. Yeah. I was 25. Which is an important age period yeah. as well in, in someone's life, right? Because we all kind of go through that stage of the, t the late teens, the party and the session. And then as you come towards the end of the, your late 20s, you're either someone who is going to stay on that path mm. and just deteriorate, yeah. or you're someone that's going to make a massive change and you're going to go a completely different direction. And I don't think I would have done it for myself. I didn't have any self-respect, so I wouldn't have yeah. done it for myself but I was adamant that she was not going to feel what I felt. She's, mm. She wasn't going to live the life, that loneliness. I was adamant. And it wasn't easy. And you know what the, the, the 
the biggest challenge that I faced around that time and coming into the first few years of trying to change our life was the resistance from the people I grew up with and my friends and I think when you're trying to change and other people who are doing the same same stuff as you, you know, we're all up to our bleeding necks and but not everybody was ready to change. Mm. And you can get pushed back from people. You know, I was told that I was over exaggerating, I was looking for sympathy and blah blah blah. And that's okay, you know, people people can 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 have their own opinions on whatever, but I knew in what areas were they saying that to you about? Because you're pregnant at this stage and you're like, I want to change, I want to you know, the way we live is my not life, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My lifestyle, mm-hmm. the lifestyle that I was living, I didn't want to live that lifestyle anymore. Um, you want to be able to hold your head up, don't you? You want to be a woman now. Mm. You want to have that 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 self-respect. And that's, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a mammy that she could be proud of. Yeah. Did it take you having to make that choice or have that awareness and then leave? Like, I imagine you had to leave a lot of people behind. Yeah, yeah. and that's what it was. I had mm. to leave a lot of people behind. And I can see that that's where the the conflict was coming in. Like, I was cut off. I wasn't invited to anything anymore. Mm. The phone stopped ringing. Ah, oh, that one thinks she's better than us. I or was whatever, just about to you say, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And look, at, uh, if the roles were reversed, I'd have probably, probably thought the same. Who does she think she is? Yeah. You know, the usual mindset yeah. that, that, that we have when we're young and we think we know it all. Mm. I knew none. So where did you inevitably find that strength to stay on course? You know, was it that desire to, that you wanted to be a good mother to Mia and that, did you feel at some point that here's my opportunity to change? This is it, yeah. Yeah. Because I thought, this is going to be one thing that I have. Nobody can take this from me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The men left, the family member, like the stuff with me, ma. Yeah. Uh, everybody left me. Mm. But this wasn't going to. So yeah. that was a, a huge, uh, huge force of strength that I had mm-hmm. to, to better myself and and deep down I always knew what I was doing was wrong yeah but I just didn't give it yeah because I was so hurt mm. I just had this F you attitude to the world that if you want to hurt me oh when is it what I'm going to do now mm. do you know what I mean yeah you think I, you think I can't drink well watch this yeah, I had that attitude. It just bleeding. Why Co- is coming into murder? Coming into more bleeding trouble than yeah, else. Yeah, that's a very fu- that's a very interesting um, <clears throat> uh, l- way of looking at things, right? Because there would have been people, you know, quite recently with me that um, ha- have been struggling. We'll say with. Um, uh, we'll say mental health and just 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 different just people that I have have come to me for looking for you know maybe not even advice they are coming to me advice they're looking for someone to help them but they're not telling me that they need yeah. help if that makes sense it's a conversation wait I tell you and one of the things um with this particular person um was you know I'm being judged. I every day I'm judged because I am from the flats and mm. I'm from inner city and I can never get ahead because of who I am and what I've been born into. Yeah. And I it's designed for me to never escape this. And I remember after a big long conversation, um, I was saying, like, you know, people don't judge you straight off the bat. And he said, It's different for you. You've a lovely voice, you look well, you're pretty, you're you're you got good energy, blah blah. And I'm like, right, okay, the prettiness thing. Like, 
I don't feel like I'm absolutely stunning. I didn't look, I didn't look great when I was growing up and different things, right? So that's one thing in a box, right? Not everyone is blessed with good looks, right? That's one thing. I uh, says, you know, he's like, so that will take that out of the equation. Where I was born, where I grew up, right? Okay, that's another thing that we have different. You can't help where you're, where you're born, where you're growing up. And I was basically getting to the point of everything else that he had said, like your energy, the way you speak, the way you hold yourself, the way you dress, that is all stuff that I can control. That is stuff now that I have a choice to, um, I choose my energy. You know what I mean by saying that? I choose how I am when I walk into a room. I choose how I react to people. And this was coming off the back of a conversation where he said that if you think I'm a scumbag, well, guess what? I'm going to be a scumbag. And before people are even making... It's like a defense mechanism. It's a defense mechanism. Because I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm in pain. I don't want you to see that I'm hurting and in pain because of the circumstances that I grew up in. So I'm now going to be quote unquote a scumbag and, and act in a scumbag's way so that you know straight off the bat that I'm a scumbag and you don't come anywhere near me. Because you won't reject me and I won't feel the rejection. Exactly. Then. And you know, that was me and that was in the mindset. And I'll never forget this woman sat me down, an older woman, really deeply spiritual woman that I would have went to for a long time for guidance. And she just said to me with her lovely uh, posh voice, uh, she said, do you know what, Jennifer? And I said, what? Go on, tell me. She said, victims don't recover. Yeah. And I tell you, inside, I said, the neck <laughs> the neck calling me a victim. <laughs> she was right. Yes. I remember um, you saying this to me before. Uh, and this woman, am I right in saying that she had a, probably one of the biggest impacts biggest on impacts you? Biggest impacts on yeah. me. Biggest influence on me in how to hold my head and my morals mm. changed when I met that woman. Wow. Yeah, she really taught me. Like, I'd ring her crying and she'd be like, where's me? And I'd be like, she's downstairs, but he, wait, I'll tell you what he did. And she like, so you're ringing me crying over some boy and your baby's sitting downstairs mm-hmm. on her own. Go downstairs. Yeah. And it was that, I needed that straight talk. I needed the stuff to be pointed out to me. Mm-hmm. Victims don't recover. Every time I see you, I'm moaning about something. Yeah. How do you think I feel having to listen to you every week? <laughs> That's what you say to me. <laughs> but... I needed that straight talk. I needed her love. She loved me enough to tell me the truth. Yeah. And I think truth without love is brutality. Yeah. You have to, if you're going to be honest with somebody, you need to say it with love. And mm. she loved me and me enough to tell me the truth. And that was a huge turning point because I never understood how people experienced me. Mm. Wow. Think about that. Yeah. I knew how I experienced you. Yeah. And I knew I experienced him and I could tell you every where did I tell you what he did to me? Where did I tell you what she said to yeah. me ten years ago? And when I see her, I'm gonna say this and then that. How did them people experience me? That's massive. That's ah, even cringe. That, cringe and I was. <laughs> it, but even even now, like it's all experience, right? It's yeah. all perception. Mm. It's all experience, all like all, all perception. And like it, it's it goes back to putting your, the, the, the quote unquote, like uh, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. And Do I read the poem, The Prayer of St. Francis, and it said in it, to love rather than be loved. Mm. All my life I spent me time like, poor me, mm. poor me, poor Jan. And then I was like, if you want to get out of that mindset, like I had severe depression for years. Every type of medication they put me on. Mm. And, and a lot of it was me. It was my mindset. It was the words I used. It was the repetitive 
yeah. poor me thoughts. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, I just needed everybody to know how bad I had it. Yeah. And then I stopped doing that. I stopped doing it. And, you know, to love rather than be loved. Stop looking for everything. Start giving back. Start mm. giving back and watch what the world does for you. And that's when the penny dropped with me. I thought there's fucking something. I'm onto something here. Because doors start opening, Lydia. Mm. Opportunities start coming my way. Like, I got a, 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 a check in the door for two grand off Dunn's doors for, for college. Dunn's doors doesn't pay you to go to college. That was the universe. Mm. Tell me, Jen, we have your back. You mm. keep doing what you're doing and we have your back. And that's what I started to do. And, you know, to understand rather than be understood. Yeah. That was a massive, massive shift in my thought patterns because I always wanted people to understand me. Mm. And now I started to try and understand where someone else is coming from. Yeah. What is it? It's like, um, <clears throat> like, do want to others as you want to be treated? Yes, exactly. Mm. And give without telling everybody. Mm. Do you know, and that's what one thing annoys me now about this charity stuff. Don't even get me bleeding started. Like, well, tis the season. Tis the tis season. The season where to every- post it all. Yeah, all well, over <laughs> social media. <laughs> well, this is what happens. You know what yeah. I mean. This is what happens, and it's it's again that all falls into the toxic spirituality yeah. or the the toxic egoist that we always talk about. In that, you know, people. I I, I wish I had um and it's fucking we need we need chain over there with a little encyclopedia of knowledge um but it's like um it's a spiritual ego yeah it's about um oh gosh what is it there the spiritual ego spiritual toxic spirituality um oh yeah there's the desire for people to um help somebody Right, mm-hmm. that it, it there's a there's a theory that for for happiness, right, that we all um are born, we should learn a skill, master the skill, and then pass on the skill. Like that's yeah. that's a, apparently psychologists believe that's the the secret but that's, to happiness. That's that's our purpose. It's our purpose, right? But yeah. also there is then the the toxic side of that of that you know like the need to help people or the mm. need to save people when we and that comes back to not doing your own work exactly save yourself yeah save yourself you cannot transmit something that you haven't got yes and i learned that a long time Mm -hmm. ago and not a lot of people know they think oh just just jen she does the yoga but i've actually worked in the mental health services in the homeless services for the last 10 11 years Mm. and i've seen the damage that people can do trying to go out and help and save people when they haven't done their own in a work Mm. and let's talk for a second about inner work such yes. like uh, we, th- we this is our bonding this territory is our thing. This, this is our, our thing, thing. Yeah. inner work is our thing this is where we get yeah. off while you yeah. are drinking wine at home watching <laughs> feeding I'm a jungle or get me out of the jungle or whatever it is me and Jen are voice noting about inner work yeah um, <laughs> a lot of people believe we wear our pain like a badge of honor yeah absolutely i'm like oh, i have struggled have you struggled i'm on the floor i'm on the floor I'm, i was brought to me knees that's all you'll hear on air voice notes every tuesday after yeah. therapy i was on my knees i was like oh, where were you in here i'm in therapy i was on my knees um but um inner work right a bit of a buzzword at the moment yeah. and you know a lot of people are fantastically 
looking inside themselves this this all kind of like this new sort of like wave of consciousness has sort of like taken over where we have the rise of we'll say veganism of climate change of it's all this sort of conscious thinking right now there's they're all different things where you could go off on a tangent and you can see the good and the bad of all these different things but inner work and it's a big misunderstanding that a lot of people do they think oh self-care uh, mindfulness, a bit of yin yoga, a bit of journaling, a bit of like Doesn't deep breathing. The surface. This is me doing my inner work. Yeah. Real inner work is horrific. It yeah. is pain, it is trauma, and it's facing uh, an area, a part of yourself that is really heavy. And it's it's it takes so much to overcome to even dig into it and when you think you have scratched the surface of inner wow. work you are here we go again <laughs> you have not even like I and I was like that as for a long time when I had my shift from going from the music industry to doing jiu-jitsu to, to going into martial arts and combat sports and I took that two years off where I'd done the therapy and i just done jiu-jitsu and I started eating clean stopped drinking and stopped smoking and the whole lot no more drugs and all that crap and I came out of that being like, I'm enlightened. I now have found who I am, who I want to be, who I needed to be all this time. And I have the power and the tools now to save myself. And, to... <laughs> and now the work starts. <laughs> and now the work starts. And the only thing I can I, I, I give it to is like, you know, in jiu-jitsu you get belts, right? So you, you get promoted, you get blue belts, purple belt, brown belt, and then you get to black belt. And, you know, when you get to black belt, it's like... The messiah. You're only getting yeah. started. Now you're now you're at the beginning again. You've been beginning of, of right. black belts, and that's how I compare inner work to. Talk to me about inner work, Jen. Do you know what? We'll talk about the last few months. What we've been talking about, probably. Yeah. So in July, easy now, easy yeah, now. We, we won't, won't go too deep. We'll go into your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so in, having been facing the fear of homelessness for myself and my daughter for the last three years fighting with the landlord trying to keep her home and in that fight or flight living like not sleeping like the worry the fear and anybody that's in Ireland at the minute will probably relate to having the fear of losing your home yeah as the housing crisis is so bad but uh getting that letter and saying no look you're out and only having a certain amount of time to try and find a home and your email and bleeding 30 40 50 properties and nothing's happened anyways fast forward a few months and i'm just about to go into a homeless hostel mm. with, with my daughter and i'm fighting to and nail because i don't want to bring her into emergency accommodation which is nuts because you're i walk working in and and, and you're told, working in yeah, those industries i walk in emergency accommodation and i just was like I felt so worthless as a mother i felt i failed her i felt mm. i'm failing here i'm failing big time you know and uh, that, that leaves your self-esteem on the floor, mm. on the floor. But you can't get into that because you're still fighting. Your, your, your mindset is just get home, get home, get home. Anyways, the fucking universe looked after me and, and we eventually got keys off our forever home in July. And the day that the girl rang me and told me the number of me door, I had a panic attack. I freaked out, got into my car, drove over, started giving out to the girl. They're giving me a brand new home. I st- I'm giving out to her in the middle of Fingal County Council. And she's like, what are you on about your head case? Like, this is this is like your home. I just freaked out. Haven't been living on that adrenaline for so long. Mm. So the panic attacks were back. Haven't had panic attacks in a few years now. 
and they're back. I'm waking up. I can't breathe. I'm going around like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like I'm re-traumatised. So I've spent the last, the whole summer, since July, every Tuesday, I think I've missed probably two or three sessions with, with my counsellor. And when when all the fight was over and I was left with all this adrenaline in my body, this fight or flight, I didn't have to switch it off. Mm. So the first few months was uh, using CBT to, when my mind goes, when my mind attacks, teaching me the tools that I have that I forgot. Because mm-hmm. when you're in it, you're in it. Yeah. And you need a professional to teach it to come back out of it. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners that don't know, what is CBT? Cognitive behavioural therapy. So it kind of, your thoughts trigger the emotion, the emotion triggers the behaviour. Mm-hmm. And I was acting so erratic because my thoughts were triggering the emotion and my behaviours, I was all over the place. It was like I was going around on autopilot constantly in this uh, fight or flight mode. So took a little few sessions with her and then the real work started. Having this beautiful home and my daughter is staying in my mum's because her school's right beside it and we live too far away and she won't leave our friends and she won't change mm-hmm. school. So Mia is up there five stays on this on the school nights. So I'm up in this beautiful apartment on my own. And now I'm left with myself. Mm. And that's the problem. Yeah. The problem is me. And how how do you sit with yourself? Mm. Here we go again. Here here comes the pain. And I knew it. And the lonely, that lonely aching, that oh, that emptiness in me in my belly was back. And I'm in therapy, and we're getting, we're touching the surface, and each week it's getting deeper. And I'm sobbing and sobbing and sobbing, till I finally said it. I don't feel, and this is right into your core beliefs. This is when you go back to the, to the childhood stuff. This is not something that I would have consciously tell myself every day. This is all undercurrent that I have this beautiful home. I have nobody to share with. Mm. I'm not woody. Yeah. I'm not lovable. Nobody wants to share this with me. And that was horrendous to say that. Mm. And ugh. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard admitting that to yourself. Yeah. And even though when you say it and then you know it's not true, but when you keep it in and it's buried under all this stuff, the fear of the, being a failure as a mammy, not being good enough, uh, I'm a single mother, I'm up in this new estate, it's all posh, it's all two parent families, they've got two cars, two incomes. Mm. I'm on me bollocks like yourself, I'm bleeding, skimming and scamming and I'm paying this bill and that bill and, and I'm doing me best. Yeah. I'm doing me best, but where all that stuff brought me back was to that, back to that core belief again, I'm mm. not good enough. I'm not good enough. So how... And it ripped lumps out me. So how, how like, because... You know, it's like that thing of, um, I wish, you know, my gift for you this Christmas would be, or any Christmas, not just this Mm -hmm. Christmas, would be the ability to see yourself as others see you. And that's something that a lot of people have said to me before when I was, you know, in my, in my darkness or in my like on, on unawareness or on availability to see how I really am Mm. and if you can see yourself as other people see you and the goodness and the greatness that other people see in you then 
it will probably erase a lot of the self-doubt and the negative thoughts that you have in yourself. What, what happens is with the inner workers, you have to go into them spots. You have to go into them and you have to say it out loud to somebody because mm -hmm. that's where the healing is. And when I said it out loud and I heard myself, then I was able to say, hang on a minute. That's not true. Mm -hmm. That's not actually true. That's something that I probably would have said when I was 15, when I was 16, when yeah. I was 17. And and what I learned was when I got triggered with the house, I reverted back to teenage Jen. Mm, regression, teenage yeah, regression. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's who was driving me. Teenage Jen that was, was out fighting everybody. Because mm. I've been fighting for so long, I reverted back into teenage Jen, wild. Yeah. Didn't get fuck. I'm gonna get this house. You know, I was back in that mode, and and she was the driving force. She was the thoughts. Whereas I'm not teenage Jen now. Mm. I'm I'm a complete. I'm a woman. Yeah. I'm I'm an amazing mother. Mm. Uh, I'm a I'm a great friend. I love my friends. If you're my friend, you're my friend for life, and I have your back. And I love that about mm. me and my friends. And that's the way my group is. Mm -hmm. We all have each other's back, and I love the work that I've done. I love the, the men in the hostels that I've got to sit with in their last dying moments. Mm. Like, this, explain to our listeners, um, like, this period of your life, because I remember mm. you telling me about it, and it's just, like, such a... Just just something that, one, you don't you don't think that that's actually going on, that this is, like, a hostel for people, and they're, they're dying, basically. Yeah. And you're, you're faced with a lot of people that are, you know, alcoholics or drug addicts and, you know just a very broken souls broken souls yeah. in their final moments and you are the person that's there with them as it's not easy like i've given out to god a few times like i imagine oh, you got me here it's too much so too what much. what is that situation that you're in and what's your job exactly explain what, so, what's going on i spent about four years working in the addiction services trained up and i did me a great counseling theory and addiction and all that stuff and community development then I moved from addiction into homeless services for the last six and a half, seven years. And uh, the first service I ever landed in was a wet hostel. No experience with homeless services before. And I ended up in a wet hostel, which is we take street drinkers in and basically give them a bed to, to die. They'll continue to drink, you know, and you're sitting. And you're sitting with men grown men in their last moments in the hallucinations and they don't want to go to hospital, don't ring the ambulance. They're too afraid. Mm. They want to stay in the hostel with you. You're their family. They've built this relationship with you and, and just holding people's hand and, and sometimes playing their music like or, or trying to distract them. I remember one, one man, John Joe, I, I just played and loved them, you know, but the, the convulsions were killing him and we would have had to pour a little sub of vodka into his mouth to to ease his body like he was mm. in so much pain and you'll and you'll meet so many people like that like if you think you have a heart go on in and volunteer mm. go on into a frontline service and give up a few hours and you'll never complain again yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean you, you can't but what happened um your heart when you have a connection with somebody with an illness or somebody with a mental illness, and particularly with the mental illness people, I think that's where me, I think that's where my heart is, and I think that's where where me love goes. You know, mm -hmm. I know what it's like to want to give up. I know what it's like for your mind to be in such a dark place 
that your reality is too hard. And this is why I learned about with people who have who are suicidal that it's not that we want to die. It's that we find that reality too hard. Mm. I don't know how to live in this world. This is too hard for me. And it's very puzzling when you see people going around doing nine to five jobs, going doing their shopping and just generally happy. Yeah. When you're in that dark place, that to you is like trying to understand Chinese or something. Mm. How how did they do it? How are they doing that? And uh, so, and I think I'm just wired anyways, like the laugh that I've had with, you know, in the hostels, like the bleeding crack does be 90, like and <laughs> getting chased around the house. And it's like, do you know what I mean? It just, if you're genuine and you genuinely care for you, People will let you in. Yes. And if you're fake, if it's not real, they know. They mm. know. And you won't be. You get found out. You get found out, mm. isn't it? Yeah. And I think coming back to my class, that that's probably why people are so comfortable in my class. Mm -hmm. Like if you were to walk by my class five minutes before it starts, the banter is flying. Yeah. Everybody's yapping. And the minute the class starts, it's silence because... They take it so serious. Mm. They feel so comfortable that it's just girls like me. Yes. It's just lads who are struggling. I love when I see the lads coming into my class because mm. there's this stigma. Yoga's only for girls. Yeah. And I get so many messages like, um, uh, thing in general about trying uh, your class. And I'm like, Tuesday, 8 o'clock, Tuesday, 8 o'clock. Yeah. And then when I see them coming in. Yeah. When the lads tag me, I have loads of messages there on my phone tonight. The lads, like one lad's in Australia. And he's tagging me with his legs up the wall. Yeah. And feet and up. Feet up, yeah. And, but, but what that does to me is that I know he's taking care of himself. Mm. His mind must have been at him. There's a reason why he's after putting his legs up the wall. Yeah. He has a bit of peace now. Mm. And that yeah. just makes me a little heart burst with gratitude. And back right. to the heart coherence yes. that me and you love that. I've been studying a lot of Joe Dispenza and anybody that comes to my class now know I drill on about the heart coherence to them. It's that when you learn to connect your head and your heart, you feel so much more freedom within yourself. Mm -hmm. When you learn to live off in that energy, in that vibration, like you're not hurting anymore. Mm. You know, yeah. you're just gone and the, the world just attracts good to you. Yes. And anything that, if you don't learn your lessons, the world will bring him or her back into your life in a different way to learn your lessons. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens is you learn your lesson quick and you get out. Yeah, exactly. You don't and stay. You keep, you keep, yeah. And it's, it's a, a, that, that in itself, right, is um, th there's certain belief systems that people have in terms of like reincarnation and why we're here and that we're souls, you know, we're, we're, so, we're, we're all souls that have been here before yeah. and that um, we are, you are given the gift of life and the experience of life to come back each time and learn. Learn your lessons. Learn your <laughs> lessons and learn all the lessons. Yeah. And if you don't learn the lessons in this lifetime, you'll, be you'll come back as, as someone else <laughs> in another bleeding, in, in some other part oh. of the world or, or, or yeah. some other yeah. energy life force. And you keep going until you learn your lesson, until you learn the meaning, the true meaning of life and uh it's um i mean it, it 
it's such even though it's like you're accepting the positives and the negatives that happen in your life it is a very uh, comforting state of mind mm. do you know what I mean and it's a comforting state of mind to say, to say you know this negative thing has happened this you know quote unquote bad thing has happened to me why is this happened to me and if you sit back and take it for what it is and look at it and go well why did this happen to me and don't be afraid of it hindsight is the best gift isn't it absolutely yeah. and and you like I mean you'll know from and where do we get our knowledge knowledge comes from experience experience absolutely and I probably would have had so much shame mm. and that's I'll, I'll just go into this quickly where the blockage was with Mia when she was a baby like when she used to try and like the first thing a little toddler does when they see their mommy is they want to run and give them a kiss and I used to turn my head because I wasn't able to kiss her on the mouth and that was a very 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 dark and difficult time of my life and I realised I couldn't because I was ashamed. Mm. I was ashamed and I couldn't look her in the eyes because I thought she knew. Mm. She knows. She knows what you did. And uh, having to, to to walk back through that and re- getting rid of that shame. Mm. And that's what I'm saying about being afraid to tell people what you did. Being afraid of what people are going to think when we all have stuff. Yeah. But what I learned was we're only as sick as our secrets. Mm. And if you keep holding stuff in, you will keep on struggling and mm. suffering. And the truth is, no one bleeding cares. Yeah, but <laughs> Do it is true. you know what I mean? When you say, oh, now when a girl comes to me and I see she's hiding something and, and she's embarrassed and she's ashamed and she tells me, Jen, can I tell you something? And I'll be like, yeah, 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 love. She'll tell me and I'll be like, oh, why don't I tell you what I did? Yeah. And that's the gift what you should always do with somebody when they open their heart and they share, share back with them. Mm. Take that shame away. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And let them see that we're all human. Absolutely. We all book up. <laughs> Absolutely. And still do mistakes. and still make massive lessons. Um, I know that um, you were telling me before you came in, you were listening to last week's episodes. Because Jen actually is one of the guests <laughs> who does actually listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you were very, you found yourself very emotional in listening oh. to Father Peter McVeary and, and his, um, the way he spoke about homelessness. But it was especially the part where he spoke about his faith and yeah. being a compassion or a God, a, 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 um, praying to a God of compassion. Of his own understanding. Of his own understanding. Mm. Talk to me about um, where you sit in terms of your, your faith your spirituality um, and how that evolved from you on this journey. Because I imagine that um, when you were going through these troubling, troubling times, God or spiritual life was not, not at the forefront. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not, um, I think from... My faith is very strong. Believe in God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no... no um, worries or qualms about saying that mm-hmm. you know what, what what is god for you is it the church is it catholicism no is it... i'm anti i'm probably the most anti-catholic church person you'll ever meet mm-hmm. because of walking in the services for so long i'd say 99 percent of people who have ended up in a homeless or an addiction service are victims of abuse so wow. i've walked oh yeah so whether whether you are an, a victim of an abuse or your parent Mm. I've seen the repercussions, so I would not be uh, religious at all. <laughs> we'll move on from that one. <laughs> but deep, deeply spiritual. Uh, I've had amazing experiences, amazing spiritual experiences where I've literally felt my heart 
just explode with love and connection. And when that happens to you, you know, mm. you know, you're not on your own here. And uh, but you can lose that. You can have an amazing experience with the universe, with God, with whatever you choose to call it. But if you don't continue to to work on yourself, you'll lose it. Mm. And uh, that's what I do. I try and continue to self-reflect all the time. I'm 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 constantly looking in. Mm-hmm. Even though I can look out and give out and all that jazz, but that's that's kind of surface level stuff. Yeah. I say I stay close to me faith. I stay close to the power. I stay close to the energy. And what you said at, earlier on about the heart coherence and changing the energy in a room, I'm always very mindful of what I bring into mm-hmm. a, a room. And that if you're connected to your heart, you have the ability to change the energy in a room without even saying that. Yeah. Without even saying that. Like people are struggling, people are hurting, people's minds are just so tired of fighting. Mm. Be that little bit of light. And I know it sounds like a cliche, like what does that mean? Just be polite. Mm. Just give somebody a smile. And that's all it is. It's it's little little things. Stay humble, stay low. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and be of service. Mm. That's what, what I think our purpose is that if you're in a situation, how can I be of service in this situation? Mm. And sometimes if you can't say say something nice, just don't bleed say I am. Don't open your mouth. <laughs> how, how important <laughs> is that? How, and how just should, leave that should be the so people easy. people alone. <laughs> leave them alone. Yep. Um, yeah. But in terms of then having your child and having Mia, how do you... Um, like in terms of raising a child mm. and you having these beliefs, are you, you know, do you, is this something that you share with your daughter? Is it a case of I let her figure out her own way? Are you guiding her? Like, how does it translate to uh, how you raise her? She is the most strongest little woman that you'll ever meet. Like mm. she is more emotionally in tuned than most adults I've met. Like she'd read it like a book. And she has been in all the services with me. She has been around all the homeless people. Like she gives like every year we do a bit clear out and she brings it into the hostels. Like she has seen girls with nothing. You know, she she knows that she's seen her mammy with nothing. She's mm. seen me having to go to uh, me college. Um, what do you call that when you oh graduation? Mm. I remember the college graduation and uh Everybody turns up with their families and, you know, just like everyone has about 10 people with them. But I had nobody. It's just me and me, mm. you know, and oh, even that makes me sad. I just didn't have anybody. And uh, I got asked to do the speech mm. for the class because I did great in, great in the class, you know. Yeah. And I went to go up onto the stage and I had to leave her sitting on the chair in this big auditorium. And she's like, she started crying. And, you know, it's back to that shame and that judgment of coming from that background and being a single mother and oh shit I didn't think this was going to upset me fuck and her her crying and wanting to come up onto the stage with me so I brought her Uh, I had to lift her up and put her on the bleeding podium and sit her on the mic and move the mic and the whole room's looking at you you know and you just feel so bleeding (sighs) worthless sometimes and she sees her mummy doing that Mm. so she knows that you go to college and you get your good job and she knows you have to help people. Mm-hmm. Like one thing that always comes back in her school report is she has the biggest heart in the class that when the minute happens in the class, 
Mia is the first person to go over and put their arms around and tell them that she's okay. Mm. She's deeply spiritual. She says our little prayers and she just, we have a great little bond because I don't hide anything from her. Mm. I've been very honest in in stuff that you probably wouldn't talk about here, but I've been very honest with her. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, uh, yeah. Fucking hell. Where's the tissue, Shane? <laughs> Throw him over here, bleeding Jesus. Oh. He's actually getting us a tissue. Oh my God, amazing. But it is, it is so... Um, but facing all them people. Do you know why I'm getting emotional in that moment is because it is... There is so much in being... Thanks a million, Shane. Brings the tissue. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> there is so much in that, in um, communication, yeah. honesty, truthfulness, seeing things as they are. And that is, for me, you know, something where, you know, maybe I, I, I would have liked some that more mm. in my childhood growing up if there yeah. had been honesty and... And not even in that there was anything to hide or secrecy. It's just a real kind of real, real, real world parents seemed, and, and my parents and definitely my mom taught that by hiding yeah. reality and real life situations from us, she was protecting us, yeah. which she probably was to a degree, you know, mm. but like just because I know you and I know how honest you are and how open and how, you know, you haven't got a bad bone in your body. Do you know what I mean? Um, well, that I've like, seen. I, I can rant now. Yeah, well, no, you can rant. I know you can definitely rant, but I mean, like, we all can do it that. I'm tired and I'm bleeding, running away. You know, but you, you do rant for anyone. But to have um, Mia being that young and that age and, and, and growing up having that, it, she can't not develop yeah. into someone, an, an amazing soul, an amazing human. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just so lovely to have. Um, She's my biggest accomplishment. Of course. Like yeah. from, from coming from that place of pure shame and embarrassment of being a single mother and constantly worried about what people think and afraid to go to job interviews because it's that imposter syndrome that yeah. we talk about. I've had it. Living it. They're going to know. Mm. They're going to know what you are like. And to, to, to watch her now at 10 years of age, she goes to DCU every Saturday. She studies at 10 years of age mm. in DCU for gifted kids. Like, she won the maths B in school last week. Like, Unreal. I'm doing all right. <laughs> You're doing I did, all right. I did. I did. We here. I do beats for We did good, me. Yeah. We we did. Me and you. We did. We did good. It's like, mommy, we did. <laughs> we did. Because some days we didn't have a bleeding penny. Yeah. Like come. Like when I do so hear people uh, giving uh, giving out and life is hard and all this bollocks, and I just say to them, "You want to know what's hard and and shameful." Have your little one in the car with you and have no petrol and have to go into the petrol station. And he knows, because he knows me every week mm. on a Wednesday before I get paid. I wouldn't have had a penny and she has to go to college or she has to go to a crash. I have to be in work and you're doing fill-ups and oh, you're sticking a fiver or you're giving them a three euro and change. Like mm. that's humiliation and that's resilience and that's the stuff that that makes you. You know, that's mm. the stuff that moulded me to, to, to who I am today because no matter what, I just think give up Lydia. Mm. I didn't give up I wanted the best for her absolutely and if I had and best bleed, for yourself yeah and before um, last question before I let you go um, all of this the life experience what you've learned the journey that you've been on um, it's all led you to obviously yin yoga which you're very passionate about you're still yeah. doing your classes we'll give you an opportunity to tell everyone where <laughs> they can go to yin yoga at the end of the interview um, but in terms of, you know, where you want to go now, 
as in like yeah. the road that you want to travel I know that you've just started a new job in a new area but you've spoken to me um, and I hope you don't mind me mentioning it but you've spoke about you know using your knowledge your use on top of what you feel you were brought here to do your mission work as it were yeah where is it that you want to go and where do you want to take all this knowledge it's mad I feel I haven't coming from that imposter syndrome to I feel like I'm ready to like it's like you have this thing in your belly where I know I can help now Mm. I know I can help people and I think being at that funeral yesterday for my friend that committed suicide a few days ago. Yeah, it, sorry. I did. I was like, do we? Do I mention this? It yeah, was, yeah, it's uh, you okay, know, I didn't yeah. know how to bring it so up. So one of the lads who would have, we all would have grown up in the same area, he committed suicide if, uh, over the weekend and left his uh, lovely partner and his three babies. And I thought, you know, you have tools within you to help people mm-hmm. who are in this dark place. So I would love to try and develop a programme and take it back into these housing estates where where I the type of places that I grew up with, where nobody's reaching. Mm. Nobody seems to be able to get into them. And and that's what I want to do. I I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I'm I'm I've like a million different ideas in my head, but I, I just want to develop some kind of program where I where I can go back and and, and bring this stuff back and hopefully get people on board. Mm-hmm in these more disadvantaged areas mm-hmm. where it's it's very difficult to get in because you kind of have to be one of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, ha- you, ha- yeah. you have to be you have to be kind of r- real enough to have lived it and yeah. then go back. You can't go in selling bullshit. Mm. So. Because this is what happens. This is a divide that we see, right? Where the working mm-hmm. classes and it's been designed to be like yeah. that. Um, you have... The working class, the 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 people that are from the flats, that are from inner city, from the working class areas, from the estates, and they know that people in government don't care about them yeah. because they're living it, they're living proof, mm. and they can see it. And so what happens is you have the big money organizations, and then they they have their point as CEOs or the this person or the that person, and they then try to go into these communities and tell people we're going to do this or we're going to help you in this way, and yeah. it's just a front so that they can. It's not ground level. It's not ground level work, no. and they're not truly listening and truly speaking to these people. They don't get it. So what happens is the people in those areas put up the defense ne- mechanism. Yeah. They get their guard up and they say, "You don't give a shit about us. You don't care about me or my family or the people that are on my street mm-hmm. or in my flats or whatever it is. So we're not going to let you in." And that's why people who and you see it time and time again, people who do come from those circumstances and do make the breakthrough into new areas and give back their work in the services or whatever, they're the people who do the best work and who do the important work. And that's why what you're doing and your gift and your skill that now you possess, it can only help, you know? I hope that I'm going to be facilitating on the heads up uh, mental health wellbeing uh, programs that will be rolled out by uh, the partnerships in the new year. It's a 12 week m- uh, mental health wellbeing program mm-hmm. where you can get um, referred onto by your doctors, by your mm-hmm. counsellors. So I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that I got chose to, to be part of that, to be part of the facilitation team. So I'm going to see what the material is and I'm going to try and try and l- 
broaden it to more mm. areas amazing yeah i know very very finally before i let you go um when you were um at the funeral yesterday when i spoke to you afterwards you said that there was a lot of people friends that you grew up with people from that you would have like hung out with in time and you haven't seen them in in a in a amount of time and they were all you know you're doing so well look at what you're doing like you know fair play to you and when you're telling me I'm getting an image of them looking at you going like oh fuck fair play to her she's she she, you know she got you know she was the chosen one or she got the breakaway or whatever and a lot of people don't realize that you have the opportunity to do that too at any stage, yeah. at any stage, you can free yourself from what you feel is trapping you or what you feel is is um, keeping you at a level or stopping you having your own breakthroughs. And there'll be people listening that will be in the exact same situation. And, and that's why I do just really, really try and encourage them to take a chance and come to me class. Yeah. Because that's where you have these little breakthroughs. Mm. Like the amount of people that cry in my class. Mm. I'm like, oh my God. So, do you know what I mean? I, I, uh, when I see see people coming back then the next week. Yeah. Like they're getting something. Mm-hmm. The little mind. The little mind is. It's, the, this, it's the element of safe space. Yeah. And knowledge and learning and community and friendship and all the things that you need to help you to get onto the, the journey. Connection, isn't it? Connection. Human connection. Mm. That's what it is. But in terms of it, can you put it in a step for people before I let you go? For someone that's listening that is in this situation, that's in that that struggle and that pain, guide them. If they're in that place where they, they, they're thinking about giving up? Not even giving up, but they're just fed up. And it, yeah. might, not, it might not be a place of taking their life, but it's just a place of I can't escape from, whether it's their mind... The situation at home, whatever it is. Um, I always say that every, like I can tell you to do 10 different things. Mm. It has to come from within. Mm-hmm. Everybody's change starts from within. And it could be just something subtle. Like Anto always talks about words. Mm. He, the, the impact of words. And you have to truly want it. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? You, you, you have to want to change. If you don't want to change, nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm. Keep doing the same thing, you get the same results. It's the definition of insani- insanity. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I, I have to challenge myself all the time. Is Jenny, you're going to walk the walk or are you just talking to talk? Mm. You know, because some days I don't want to meditate. I don't want to get up and do, do, do what's good for me. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want to go back. I don't like the darkness. I'd rather stay in the light. Stay in the light. Yeah. And that can be eerie fairy to some people. Are, it's taking a chance, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What 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 if it goes wrong? But what if it goes right? That's why I always say to everyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I love even hearing that. You know, because so many people hit sitting in the negative. Oh, wow, yeah. I can't take that. Yeah. What if it goes wrong? <clears throat> what if it goes right? Yeah. What if it goes right? Live there. What yeah. if it goes right? Yeah. And then you look back What's and that you gonna go, feel like? Ah, oh, here, you can't yeah. buy that feeling. Yeah. When you take a chance and you take a chance on yourself and it goes right and it pays off, nothing can buy you that feeling and nothing will buy you that feeling. And what I was at mental health training today with my job and your man put up two slides. One, of, one, was, one word said empathy mm. and one word said sympathy. Mm. And empathy empowers and sympathy kills. Yeah. So sometimes the worst thing you can do for somebody that's struggling is is feel sorry for them. 
Mm. You know, because it will enable them to stay in that poor me and yeah. the poor me will kill. Mm. So tough love. If you have a family member or a friend or a partner or somebody and they're in that really bad space, don't enable them. Mm. You need to look at your own shit and, and, and go and sort yourself out and, and, and let them do their thing. Mm hmm. But empathy is the the space to say, like, I, I see it. Mm. I see it. I see it in that dark place. And it's okay. I was there. And this is how I felt in it. And if somebody is... Well, I remember I learned this a long time ago. Like, if somebody is on the ground and they can't get up, sit down beside them. Do you know what I mean? Sit down until they're able to get up. And that's all it takes. Mm. It just takes somebody to relate and to take that lonely part of it away. Wow. Amazing. Final thought for the day. Final thought for the day. Mm. I'll leave that with you. What? <laughs> <laughs> you can't put it back on me. <laughs> Final thought of the day is namaste. Namaste. And I will give a final thought of the day. It doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter where you are in your life. If someone comes into your life and they are a good energy and they are a good spirit, keep them. Keep them. Mm. Give me a high five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Ten. I'm Lydia Day Dawn. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're very welcome. That was brilliant. Wasn't that bad? I'm telling you, no. I'm good at my job. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Yeah. Hope you all enjoyed the 23rd episode of The First Exchange with Yin Yoga Jen. Thank you. Mm-hmm.